Representing Equity is a Northeast Pennsylvania business podcast that highlights regional business owners from marginalized and historically underrepresented groups. This podcast is a means of not only amplifying these businesses, but also raising awareness of some of the hurdles and concerns underrepresented businesses face here in Northeast PA. This podcast is sponsored by the Wilkes-Barre Connect program, the entrepreneurial and economic development arm of the Greater Wyoming Valley Chamber of Commerce. Connect just introduced a brand new equity initiative called the Connect Inclusive Program, which was created to address systemic and historical barriers to entrepreneurship and business growth experienced by individuals from minority communities. We do this by providing accessible resources specifically tailored to their needs, providing them with all stages of education and technical resources to start up or continue to grow their business. For more information on Connect Inclusive, please visit our website at wyomingvalleychamber.org. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Representing Equity. I'm your host, Dan Kimbrough, and today I have with me Mix Jacob Kelly. Actually, I had to, I lied to you because I said I was going to have a different first question. Um, explain the mix. So mix is a uh, gender-neutral honorific. So mm-hmm. being a non-binary queer person, I go by they, them pronouns, mm-hmm. which also include like the language we use for honorifics or how to address myself and all of those matters. So mix is my... Um, instead of calling me like Mr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mix. Gotcha. Thank you for that. So so it's MX dot Kelly. Uh, Jacob Kelly. Yes. Gotcha. So uh, so when you see this episode, you see it written that MX, that's what that is for non-binary. So uh, and you work as a queer educator. Yes, a queer inclusive sex educator or a queer sex educator or a queer educator, all of them are correct. <laughs> um, I, I do. And within that field, it is two fields that are semi put together. So there's like this sex education part, which mm-hmm. is actually where my master's uh, is in, in uh, human sexuality education. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm currently working on my PhD in human sexuality philosophy. So okay. love that type of education and field. <laughs> um, and the queerness part also stems from the same field, except gotcha. it's centering queer people and queer folks and queer experiences in the realms of sex education or sex representation. So that's relationships. That's the way we talk about stigma. That is the way we talk about identity and values within ourselves. Right. So, and I like how you said that, that because I think a lot of people, when they hear sex education or queer sex education or any, whenever the word sex comes up, they always want to focus on the physical act and not realizing that like the word has a different meaning. Can you speak to that? Yes, absolutely. It's the number one thing I think that makes my education taboo to people, not just for it being queer, but uh-huh. they're like, they hear sex like, oh, and I'm like, no, like there's a diversity, equity, inclusion aspect to it, to the understanding of when we as people, we are sing- uh, we are non-singular beings. So mm-hmm. we have multiple facets to ourselves mm-hmm. that create those relationships with people. That's your parents. That's your friends, your siblings. Uh, that is your uh, intimate partners, right? So that's your workspace. So those relationships mm-hmm. now become vital to how we navigate the world and sex education speaks to that so there are like there's reproductive health that's what a lot of people go to right and i love reproductive health i worked in uh hiv for years and i absolutely still teach that and love Mm -hmm. it but then there's that other aspect of actual sex education where it's like how do you navigate the world within the trauma that you've received within the healing that you need to do within the value of just loving yourself authentically and those are fallen in these categories that we call sexuality gender identity sex mm-hmm. and it, it goes on age yeah. race all of this fits into that right very cool so this is sort of a new field if not sort of really a brand new field um i know in reading over some of the notes that you sent over you said that there was no one doing like you who was doing this when you were growing up and that was part of the impetus to sort of get into this what else sort of led you down the road of this is of the most and you're right like i can imagine like seeing a proposal with bringing in a queer sex educator a lot of folks like ah we're not going down this road so like of all labels and things to sort of go after for a job why this field so for this field, um, well, my roots actually started when I was 14, and I actually <laughs> just loved studying the understanding of what it meant to be gay mm-hmm. in the field of LGBT. And I shouldn't say the field because we're not a field, we're people, we're groups of people, yeah. we're, yeah. we're individuals. But in in the academia world, sort of say, I just, there wasn't enough I wanted to read about, and I learned more about myself. And then, you know, I go to college, and I was like, there was more out here, there's a lot more. And then progression starts happening in the world. And like, so the last 10 years, I've just been engulfed with this level of 
of education that mm -hmm. I'm grateful for. And so um, ultimately it stemmed from knowing like, I wish I knew this when I was this age. Like, why am I 25 now learning, mm -hmm. like, the appropriate ways to have safe and consensual and practical sex for, for myself and right. the way I look at it? And I'm like, then I meet all these other people who are also in the same field. And then I'm meeting people who are not part of the LGBTQA community mm -hmm. who are just like, this is valuable information for me too. I didn't know it applies, right? So like, it's and it, and it's so funny when I hear that because I'm like, yeah, it, it applies to everyone. It's right. not just one type of thing or one type of field. Mm -hmm. um, but I intentionally call myself a queer inclusive sex educator because I want it to be normalized. Mm -hmm. I want that facet to be like, no, I'm a queer sex educator and that shouldn't be taboo. Right, that's awesome, that's amazing. Um, and I like that you said that that people realize sort of learning what, you've, what you have to bring to the table that it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those weird things that sort of that hidden notion in DEI is that when you actually learn, no matter what level of DEI you're learning, you all of a sudden realize, oh, wait, this helps everyone. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a, I have one of my favorite aha moments was um, a person who, when I broke down the difference between sex and gender, mm -hmm. they all they all of a sudden sat there and I'm like, you know, I've never actually thought about my gender. And this is uh, the person that I was speaking to um, is a uh, cis woman. Mm -hmm. And so she was assigned female at birth. She's a woman. She's everything. And when she sat there, she goes, wow, I always just thought of myself as this because of the way someone else assigned me at birth. But now mm -hmm. I can tell you after listening to you, I am a woman. And here's why I think so. And mm -hmm. it just added that extra level for them. And I'm like, queer people do that every day of their <laughs> lives without someone <laughs> coaching them. Like we just discovered ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's a self, it's a form of like self-discovery in itself. That's amazing. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and so let's go back to college. So you went to Bloomsburg, right? And so you're studying how does, which is funny that you've got a psychology degree in uh, communications because mine's communications with media studies and psychology and conflict negotiation. So I understand this melding. So how do you start there and sort of get to this point? So I always wanted to go to school for psychology. What for? I have no idea. I just <laughs> loved the field of psychology. And then I was introduced into communication studies and it was one of those most natural things to just adjust to in the major. Mm -hmm. I was just, I fell in love with it immediately. It was something that was sort of a calling in a way. Like I was like, this is for me and I did it very well. <laughs> and um, good grades, good assignments, good research and everything. And so um, I kind of, it opened the field. So the actual original piece that I opened my, the fields to like queer queerness or queer education mm -hmm. was I studied um, family dynamics of coming out. And okay. so that was one of my senior projects. Mm -hmm. And so, so uh, I uh, we had to do a research project and I specifically wanted to look at like what it was like to come out in different family structures and family structures are like close. So in this um, theoretical frame, mm -hmm. it's open, closed and random. So and it's how open a family is with each other in communication, how close they are or are they just mm -hmm. random? Gotcha. And um, when coming out, when it, when a, specifically towards someone's sexuality at the time, since that's what I mostly focused on, was how do they come out and what what is the easier family? Mm -hmm. And so I did my IRB mm -hmm. approval. My professor slightly still mad, I will say, at the ending, that I did not actually <laughs> go further to get this published because she absolutely loved it. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm glad I got an A. Um, but she, uh, so from there, um, we looked at it and it actually showed in my own study. We, I think I um, was able to get a quantitative study of over 200 participants, which showed uh, in my, the significance that it was easier to come out in closed family dynamics because they were predictable. Oh, yeah. So um, there was when you, when you have a closed family dynamic, it doesn't mean like you're closed off to communications. It mm -hmm. just means like, um, there's a sense of like, this is what it is when I say and communicate and opened is like, we do share those feelings, but you can kind of say anything that you want. So there's okay. like a, there's, there's a less of a predictability, but you're also able to be open mm -hmm. with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and then uh, random was completely off the table just because it was too unpredictable. You didn't yeah. know what anyone was going to say. You didn't know how they're going to feel the day of. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So that was like the pivotal moment to be like, I want to do more. <laughs> I need to do more. I have to do more. And then I did other research assignments. And then I met two professors from Widener University 
um, while I was in the middle of a different study. <laughs> it was like, what are you doing? And I, I was studying queer culture, specifically in queer spaces. So I actually went to a campground and did an observation in autoethnography. And wow. yeah, and met them. And they were like, you should come to Widener University. You would love their program. And I was like, I never heard of a human sexuality program ever. And the minute I read it, it there is nothing else in this world I'm meant for <laughs> except for that program and what I'm doing. That's like, amazing. So you're in their PhD program right now. Yes. So... And I'm going back even thinking when I graduated undergrad in, what, 2001? So the notion that we've gotten to a point where it's not just human sexualities, like there's a queer studies PhD, how much legitimacy does that give you just as an individual, but also the work that you're trying to do? I think for me, uh, when I hear queer studies in any academic forum, or I should say any form of um, demographic type studies, I, I, I'm honestly, I have mixed feelings for this, mm -hmm. so I apologize for anyone listening. <laughs> uh, so the first is the legitimacy is, uh, I love it because it's actually solidifying like these moments in time, specifically like queer history or the involvement of queer studies is, it's real. It's mm -hmm. real because queer people exist and like if actually someone follows queer theory or any other forms of related theories, like these actually um, can be, uh, have, how do I say this, put into play mm -hmm. for the lives of other people. And that's how you get studies done. That's right. how you, we find out further information. That's mm -hmm. how we go beyond where we are and can help so many people. And we don't have to go down that road, but <laughs> we, we probably will. And so my first thought is that's such a great thing to have. Mm -hmm. My other thing is I don't want people in the field to think that that is a necessary thing to understand queer people. Mm. That is the one thing that um, even in my studies, even when I get uh, my PhD and someone will call me Dr. Kelly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that look. Uh, I, um, I definitely want people, like for myself, I will be like, no, I'm still my person and mm -hmm. my experience still to me outweighs even my own education mm -hmm. because there is a level of authenticity and realness when we actually listen to the stories of people. Like we didn't need a degree to legitify that we exist, but mm -hmm. it helps, especially when we are looking at policies, right. when we're looking at healthcare, when we are looking at educational structures and curriculums, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. the value of it. But at the same time, like we don't always need it. Gotcha. So if you're going for it, what is your purpose? And a lot of the times I see a lot of queer people like this is where I'm like, yes, I want you, please. Then I see some people who are allies who do mm -hmm. it. And I'm I'm so for I'm so for my allies. But also if you're doing it to be like sort of a savior, please right. don't, please stop. Please get out of the program immediately. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but it's a good point. I think it's 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 and I think about like African American studies or women's studies and like how over the years it takes certain points in time in history mm -hmm. or whatever for us to get to a point where we want to legitimize a group and say that there's an actual history and not that the studies of these individuals is what legitimize them, but that we exist, we, there's a past, there have been policies, there have been laws, all these things. And so it's really interesting to think about, you know, again, 20 years ago, saying gay on a college campus may cause an issue. And now Absolutely. there are queer studies programs that yeah. exist. And so it's, it's, it's always an interesting notion because even African-American studies 20 years ago was one of those, it was around, but it was almost impossible to find. But the same question of, well, why are you in this program? Right. What is what right. is your purpose here? Why are you trying to obtain this information? So it's interesting that it really does sort of spread out almost in any sort of protected class or underrepresented group. Mm -hmm. That model exists there. So um, so let's talk about the work. So what is it that you're presenting when you're going in front of these groups? Where are you presenting? What are you presenting? What is it like? So I have multiple services, mm -hmm. sort of say. When I say it that way, it sounds interesting. <laughs> I have multiple services. So my main priority is doing workshops and trainings. Like that is the that is the bulk of what people want to do. And when I my workshops, I specifically call them workshops over mm -hmm. trainings, but it depends how you look at them. Is because you are actually doing the work in the the presentation that gotcha. I'm providing. Um, I provide information and then we do a hands-on activity of some sort too that fits the, the theme mm -hmm. or the topic. And it's supposed to help individuals to take away from what they're learning. I, I uh, use adult learning theories mm -hmm. to help advance that. But essentially that is the general gist of those workshops of my main core. So I am providing uh, information on like, um, well, actually I just, I just did one for uh, Penn State Lehigh Valley on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. So, and they actually asked me to do one on drag and drag mm -hmm. history. And I was like, what an interesting topic to have right now and go to media <laughs> and everything. I mean, 
thank you, Florida, uh, for adding. Um, But anyway, so with that, I was like, uh, I honestly, first I'll just say, I never thought I'd be teaching drag as a class. So there's that um, or workshop. And with that, though, uh, I um, got into drag and I taught them the actual history of drag and where some of it comes from. But Mm -hmm. I did a little bit more than that. I also taught them the power of drag, Mm -hmm. um, the personas of drag, of how to get into drag. And like as a queer leader, Mm because drag is queer leadership, I then talked about the leadership development you can have as a queer person and how drag can help anyone Mm -hmm. uh, within that path. Okay, very cool. Could you talk about that? Not that I want you to give away everything. That's okay. But. That's, okay. That's just an example, right? So there's, yeah. you know, sexually transmitted infections, gender versus sexuality. A lot mm. of nursing programs ask me to do that one okay. because they are uh, a lot of nursing programs or even um, hospitals are like, we need more help on understanding trans non-binary individuals. And mm. I'm like, per- I'm literally the perfect person you want. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I will come in and uh, some sessions are an hour, some are two hours. It just, I we talk about what is is an actual thing that you want because I'm also leaving them with resources. I'm mm-hmm. leaving them with uh, a continuation of learning. So like, here's what I can teach you, but here's what you need to do moving forward. Yeah. Here's if you're an administrative person, you need to look at these policies and here's why. If you're a nurse, you need to look at what your bedside care looks like. And when you have a bias, how do you address that? Mm-hmm. And so there's so many of these yeah. things that go into that, that that is the root of a lot of my lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm hoping people still take away from and can continue to spread the message of like, no, you want mixed Kelly because it's more than just sex education. Right. There is an aspect of the reality that you will learn lifelong lessons that you actually take away from it. Yeah. That isn't just your job or wherever you are in the yeah. as a student or something. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how has this been received by the folks that you're going to go present in front of and talk to in these things? So um, there's a shock value first because I'm a outright unapologetic presenting queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm dressed a little bit down for you today. Uh, I, I, did have, I did have to expect Trixie to come down the hall. <laughs> but um, I, I, um, there is that level of like, who did we hire at first? Which is kind of confusing because I have a website. So I'm like, all my photos are there and I have a very, I have a social media. So no one really actually looks me up, I guess, or tells them. Mm-hmm. Um, but once people get past that, um, they they are very hesitant in the beginning, like, what are we going to learn? Is this, mm-hmm. is this going to be another standard 101? That's a lot of the time of impression I get from people. They're like, is this a 101? Like, I don't want to have to sit through another one. And I'm like, it's not. We're going gotcha. we're going much deeper right away. I'm not <laughs> taking my time to do, like to teach you stuff that you could Google. Right. So I'm like, if you haven't Googled it, like you can Google it after. But I'll I give them a basis and then we go further. But the the initial reaction is it's twofold. It's really good, mm-hmm. really excelling. Um, and then sometimes it's it's <laughs> people challenge me. Yeah. People challenge me on my knowledge and where I come from and my my they think it's an opinion or a political thing I'm doing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm doing nothing political. This is all educational. Here are my resources, here are my facts, here's what I'm giving you. And mm-hmm. if you can't come to terms to accepting that, that's on you. That ain't on me. Right, right. And when I teach, actually not just when I teach, because uh, so I forgot to also name the other services I do. Uh, when I teach or do content creation, so mm-hmm. I'll do content creation on people's websites if they need it. Um, I'll review or edit different policies or um, I had one person reach out um, who does ceremonies and they're like, can you help me create a gender neutral ceremony to yeah. have people in weddings and That's stuff? Amazing. And I was like, absolutely, I'll write that for you. Um, so there's a lot of aspects to yeah. what I do. Um, and then public speaking. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of speaking in um, like around prides and trans day visibility and mm-hmm. uh, leadership. But anyway, outside of that, sorry for the the tangent. Oh, no, 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 uh, no. So like out of all those services, I can and am met with argumentative. And the one thing I tell people, if you're going to ask me a question that comes from being argumentative, I'm not going to answer. But if you're asking me a question of understanding, we can have that dialogue. Right, right. And I make that very clear. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some people see that as, oh, you're just being defensive. And I'm like, no, I'm not wasting my time. You're right. here, if you're here to argue with me, you're here to argue with me. But I'm here to teach. Right. Um, and argument is not teaching. Debating is not teaching. Right. Debating is, there's a time and place for it, and it's not And when I'm up in front of that room. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, and so given that mixed reaction where there are people who are who are all for it once they get over the initial shock value versus the those who want to push back, has it ever been a situation where things have gotten dangerous or you were worried? Could you speak to that a little? Yeah. So, <sighs> when, well, when I think about the word dangerous i wouldn't say it when it's really dangerous where i have to like think about my 
well-being mm-hmm. or physical safety. But I will say um, there was one incident uh, that was addressed. So I appreciate the people. Um, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> but um, I presented, did a obser- observation is what they call it, but a workshop for the United States Navy. Mm-hmm. I did a naval base down in Virginia, and um, it was live streamed for over 4,000 people. So huge accomplishment. Wow, congrats. Thank you. And uh, top notch, I got a letter from their Master of Chiefs mm-hmm. thanking me. I got a little challenge coin. It was so nice. It was so great. And my my backlash to that was because it was online, people could write it anonymously. Yeah. And I love my moderator. My moderator did a phenomenal job. So I didn't see the stuff that was coming in as I was presenting. They mm-hmm. were just filtering through like, Here's a question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I'm over here like, what's taking so long with this question? There's 4,000 people watching. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I was in a room of like maybe um, 100. So yeah. the 100 is like, we're, we're mm-hmm. going off of their questions. And then afterwards, um, one of the chiefs pulled me aside and was like, hey, um, we wanted to talk to you to make sure you feel okay and stuff. And I was like, the military has a very large amount of... Um, toxicity towards queerness and is very heteronormative and there is some forms of toxic masculinity which is there and i knew that going in like mm. it, it was not a yeah um oblivious to it it was just um when i heard some of the messages was told i it hurt it really hurt oh, wow it, because um i try to hold my even a non-biased stance when i'm teaching about gender and sex like i even uh add heterosexuality into the topic yeah right. i add cisgender and normalizing the binary into the topic mm-hmm. and i was like i don't say one's better than the other i say these are just right. this is the reality and so even including people who right. were just outright nasty oh, and even the way i was dressed i was being mm. called a predator and a groomer oh god i was being called um harmful towards kids and i shouldn't be allowed in the public like the it just got very nasty very quick for these messages and when i saw that i, I it hurt like mm. you, you know i'm only human <laughs> a little right, bit. right, I'm like, right. Um, and then i sat there i was like you know what i'll take this as a lesson learned because there was a lot more people who gave me uh, a standing ovation and a lot of gotcha. applause with the, when the, when the second in command of that, um, what do they call it? Unit or unit. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> second in command of the unit shakes my hand and mm. uh, says, we would love to have you back one day. That's more than enough. Right. And whatever those anonymous people to say or anything, but I, it was actually a lesson learned for the military in that specific unit because they actually talked to me like, I don't think we know how to handle a situation like this. And I was like, you need to talk to your DEI officers. You need mm-hmm. to talk to where your policy and handbook. And they're like, well, and I was like, there's technology, there's a technology usage, right? So mm-hmm. misuse of technology was used. Yeah, uh, discrimination yeah, yeah. happened. Um, and I was like, I'm a civilian for them. So I'm supposed to be treated under the standards I'm being protected by everyone there. Right. And the people right. that are supposedly protecting me are the ones calling me out and being hurtful. That's a wow. And so we had, we, that was a real conversation we had. Yeah. So for me, that was one of the biggest moments that I was just like taken back to mm-hmm. be like, am I built for this? <laughs> am I built for, for this? And, that, and the answer is yes. Right. Yeah, it, was, it sounded like the you pivoted. An, the answer and, and, was yes. Yeah. It, it, was a, it was one of those, I need five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm back. Let's talk. Right, right. That's <laughs> and amazing. I need to make sure the important people are in the room. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing, though. It's, I mean, it's, it sucks that that's what happened, but that you were able to pivot with that and, and use it as an even more of an educational moment for the actual Navy. So that's amazing. So, um, so why are, and I know this answer, and I'm, I'm asking this as dumb as possible. Why is it, why are pronouns, why are, why is language, why are all of these things so important? <laughs> it just is. That's it. That's because I say so. No, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I, so if, if by now, I want to make one thing clear is language matters. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. truly does. And there's no one out there that's going to say it doesn't because mm-hmm. uh, there's too many semantics and uh, examples out there to that proves that right. language matters. Yeah. And so language matters under the understanding of when we address people. Mm-hmm. But the second thing I want to address there is because we're not just talking about language, we're talking about language that refers a person 
mm-hmm. pronouns. Right. It is, the, it is literally the definition of what replaces my name and who I am. Mm-hmm. If my name's supposed to represent me when you say it, so does that pronoun. Gotcha. And that is the easiest way I can yeah. put it for someone. So if you're not willing to respect me, mm-hmm. if you're not willing to see that I exist, if mm-hmm. you're not willing to say, like, this is my truth. Right. I don't care if you believe me. That that is that is for you to take home and deal with. You do not have to unpack that in front of me <laughs> at all. I do not want you to unpack that right. in front of me. That is not for me to help you unfold, pack up, and teach you again because mm-hmm. you can't afford that. <laughs> but what I will say is, when it comes to those first three things that I exist, that this is my truth, and just the fact of pure respect, mm-hmm. that does have to happen. That is yeah. that is base level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it you say? You don't care if they believe you. I want you to expand on that one. So I specifically say that because as a queer person growing up, I had a lot of anger. And it happens for most queer people. I mm-hmm. have to say we trans, non-binary, LGBT, we have a form of anger that happens because we're like, why do we have to come out? Like, why mm-hmm. Like, why is this form of, like, anger happening? And I cared so much about what, someone just to believe that I exist and this is real. Yeah, yeah. And so... I'm over making anyone believe. Like, if you don't think that non-binary people exist, then I, I must be a good imagination to you. Like, I must be a real <laughs> fantasy for you. Um, if you think I'm delusional, I know I look too good to be any form of delusion. Um, so with those, with that, I I have to say, I don't care if someone believes mm-hmm. um, on the understanding, like, who I am. Right. And so it takes away from that argumentative perspective of, like, there's only two genders. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've proven to you several times that you don't. So clearly you were not listening. Therefore, I'm done. Right. Like it stops right. here. Everything else, that's on you. Yeah. And as an educator or any educator should know there's a level that we're supposed to get to mm-hmm. uh, of teaching someone. The rest is theirs. And it falls into like a pragmatic understanding of education that I have. Yeah. And it's I'm not here to I'm not here to change a single mind. Right. I'm not here to be like, this is what you need to believe in. I go, this is a fact. Here's what the information is. Here's how you can use that information. And here's the impact that it will have. Right. And if you can't be a human that understands the impact that is so important, which the impact is welcoming, inclusive, mm-hmm. love, kindness, authenticity. Yeah. Like if you can't understand that you want that kind of impact, not just for yourself, but for others, then again, then that that's for you. That's right. for you to figure out on your own. I'm not here to unpack any of that. That is trauma for them. They have to unfold. That is a resistance towards mm-hmm. progression and change that is um lack of humanity in my opinion and i will say it in my opinion <laughs> because humans evolve and right. we change and it's, it's pro- again proven over history mm-hmm. so for me to answer that question yeah. that's what i mean it's i'm not here to if you think non-binary and trans people shouldn't exist if you think queer people shouldn't exist I, then then believe that yeah but i'm done um challenging any thought because it's literally you lead a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not here to make anyone drink. No, I thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, is there liberation in that? Like that we've gotten to a point where you're able to say, you know what? If you don't believe in my existence, I'm done here. That we're no longer fighting for that level of I exist. I'm here. And if you can't see me, then I'm not having that argument. Talk about the liberation that's behind that, that we've got to this point. <laughs> I want 100% liberation, the idea of just being free myself. Um, yes, I find it powerful to know that there are bigger things out there than whether to know of like what kind of clothes I put on and why mm-hmm. they matter or yeah. what kind of form of um, existence I should have when I'm sitting at a table. Like I'm not here because I'm queer. Yeah. I'm here because I'm a professional. I have education. I'm intellectual. I have uh, the knowledge and capacity. I have the work ethic. I have the credibility. I have it all at the table. And yeah. if the pure matter of me existing is going to stop me, then the only thing I have to say is I'm not the one for you then you're missing out and that's going to be your loss, not mine. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I'm still going home and I'm still going to my bed. I'm still paying for (laughs) my, you know, my place that I live at Mm -hmm. my food. I'm, I'm working for my life. Yeah. That, that one to two to hundreds of individuals, they're just dust. It's aspects. Yeah. And that is liberating to me. It's I'm, I'm taking that power back. It's a reform of reclaiming of Mm -hmm. that is your argument, not mine. So stop bringing it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, and so thinking about the work that you're doing, talk to me about the importance that for businesses to understand, like, 
I work in DEI and it's always the push of, why do we have to do this? Why is this so important? Da, 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 da. But then you're going further and making an even narrower slice of that pie that not only is DEI important, but now let's talk specifically about queer education. Let's talk about our bathroom. Let's talk about our policies and access and all these things. Why is this important for businesses to not be reactive, but be responsible for these things? So um, I feel like I have two answers for mm-hmm. this. So mm-hmm. my first one is the reason why for the narrowness is that is because it's such a large field. Mm-hmm. Diversity, equity, inclusion, well, I can do it at large and I, I don't mind to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I work also at doing it at large. Um, I also know that there is an important factor of when we start focusing on these different uh, slices, we'll mm-hmm. call them. Um, we can actually start addressing barriers because mm-hmm. we're actually setting the goals, we're setting the tasks, and then we're hopefully setting what the outcome or in impact can be. Right. And so we do that by narrowing them down. Anyone that knows uh, any form of long range of uh, goals or dreams, mm-hmm. so to say, you mm-hmm. need to have goals to do right. that. Right. And if you have a general statement, you're not getting to you know where systematic racism comes up. You're not getting at mm-hmm. active mm-hmm. where inequities are coming up for trans and non-binary and queer people. You're not getting at ageism. Mm-hmm. You're not mm-hmm. getting at all of these other pieces if you're not focusing at them. And it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? Yes, when we start focusing mm-hmm. on that's why it's so important. Because so if there are other people doing similar work out there, I applaud them mm-hmm. because it's hard <laughs> and it's a lot. And um, no matter what anyone's doing, like I will just say that's why I narrowed it down yeah. for me. Um, and I just have a passion for it. Yeah. But to answer the the second question, with um, which I believe was um, why is it so important to for businesses to businesses understand and for understand? Yes. So um, I'll just say it like this. Anyone that is working with people, Mm -hmm. customer service, human services, anyone that is working with population of people, you are going to run into queer people. Right. And that does, and I don't mean just like you are working with them as they're your clients. Mm-hmm. They could be your coworkers. Mm-hmm. They could be um, both like the people that are your third parties and stakeholders that you're partnering with or collaborating with. Mm-hmm. They're, we are people and we exist. And so if people think that it won't happen, wait until I show up. Right. And I ask you, which bathroom can I use? <laughs> which one would you prefer me to use? Which has happened uh, mm-hmm. several times where I'm in a nice dress. I have my good makeup on. I'm not fully tricksy. I'm just me. I'm living my life. I got some good heels on. And I'm like, hey, um, I feel comfortable using the men's room. And if that's okay. And then the men start looking at me like, what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, should I use the women's room? And then the women are like, oh, sorry, no. Mm-hmm. Whose restroom am I using? Like, right. who, and I'm a guest. Like, I'm just here to teach you and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is a guest uh, understanding. Imagine if you worked there. Yeah. Imagine if uh, customers, clients or other people were going in. Like, how do they feel? They're not going to speak up like me. I'm mm-hmm. very, <laughs> I'm I'm okay being confrontational <laughs> when needed. But um, they're not going to. And that's one of the most important things. And that's just restrooms. I think the other part to it is um, I, I want people to understand it's not just performative um, action. Mm-hmm. Performative action is actually incredibly harmful. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and I don't want people to think like, oh, if we perform these things, we're an ally, we're safe. We think, no, mm-hmm. you have to break down your internal biases towards people. And for workplaces, any, whether that's a medical workplace, a college, mm-hmm. community center, corporations, whichever it's going to be, you will run into these uh, individuals, specifically queer people, is running into them. And you have to know and trust that your employees and other customers will be faced with being included and accepted mm-hmm. or that there is zero tolerance to understanding that um, there is hate yeah. in those spaces yeah. because hate will exist. And my worst experience actually came from a different job I worked for um, at and the people that were nasty to me were the customers mm. that we helped, that I helped. Yeah. And all I did was walk down the hallway from my office to the restroom and three different people that other of my caseworkers were helping started making comments to me like, oh, it's Halloween, I guess I see there. And I was like, I mean, I'm dressed up, but it ain't for Halloween. Like, And some other uh, homophobic and transphobic slurs were also said. And I took that to my boss and she goes, that didn't really happen, did it? Mm. And I'm like, no, I made it up. What do you mean? <laughs> and so that right there, the education I teach helps 
figure out when that does happen, how do you address it? Right. Because she she specifically asked me, how do we address this? Yeah. And I was like, well, for me, I don't want them to not get services, but they need to be informed that the respect towards the people helping them, which is your employees, which should matter because they're the one doing the work for you, Mm -hmm. should be empowered and fought for and that there should be a zero tolerance of that kind of language or understanding beyond just the employees, but also the customers because it can happen either or. Like no one one is uh, against being discriminated against. No one is also against doing the discrimination. Mm -hmm. There's also... A two-sided coin right and so yeah it's to if people want to actually know how to break down their own biases learn we do that through education awareness and taking those next steps of like what haven't we thought about i am the person to call like I, <laughs> who are you gonna call <laughs> there were five things that came to mind immediately to finish that off that none of them are acceptable i'm not gonna finish that sentence um <laughs> Terrible. Um, You brought up allyship. And I feel like it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And you talked about breaking down biases and that it's more than that. What is an ally? Like explain what really, not just the performative way of doing it, but what really being an ally is about. So I'll give you a perfect image of, I guess, how I understand allyship. Because I am an ally for other people or groups of people. And um, to be an ally means that someone or people have to have the ultimate trust in you, even when they're not in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Okay. So a lot of times, like, how do I show you an ally? I want to know that when I sit next to you, I'm trusting you. I want to know when I'm at a meeting and I say something and I'm being shut down for the simple fact that um, what I said is what what people call too radical to believe in. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not too radical. We're only saying that because Jake is, you have this assumption of Jake yeah. and who I am. Yeah. And that has happened. And that is a, it's not, it's not an easy line to walk, but to to actually sit there and, and know what to do in those kind of situations, that's trust, right? Like I wanted to know if we were sitting at the same mm-hmm. table, mm-hmm. that if someone said something, I had the trust that you will be there to either support me, right. say something or know how to handle the situation at hand without me having to give you any guidance gotcha. or direction like right. i shouldn't to learn to be an ally you need to learn how to get uh understand direction so i won't say for anyone listening like how do you not get direction that's how you can <laughs> ally yes you need that you need to mm-hmm. learn that's what you have to learn right but essentially like um that that is the ultimate form of allyship is to know that there's a trust in there that when i'm sitting in any space mm-hmm. or not sitting in any space mm-hmm. it will go well it will still be welcoming. It will still be inclusive because a lot of people think, oh, inclusion, it's who's there. No, no, no. You also need to be included for who's not in the room too. Right, right, Just because right. they're not there doesn't mean that they shouldn't be included. Mm-hmm. It might just because there's an accessibility issue. It also mm-hmm. just might because they didn't didn't need to be at the table. That wasn't for them. Right. But if they were invited to the table, would, would the table change? And if the answer is yes, then you don't have an inclusive table. Right, <laughs> right. That's, I like that. I like that. I like the notion that it's not just when I'm present. But also that when I'm not there, I can trust that you also will have my back. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. So um, we live in Nipah. <laughs> we do. I'm going to leave. I'll, I'll leave that part of it there. How how have you seen this region adapt and change? I know we laugh about Florida and there's tons of don't say gay laws in schools and drag being banned at libraries and all these but thinking of our community how do you feel your work is being accepted but how do you also feel the queer community has been accepted or is do you see an evolution or change or more acceptance or is it just the same and it's still terrible what is it so i will say that i have seen progression Mm -hmm. um i've lived in luzerne county my whole life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um, except I was not born here, blessed. <laughs> um, but I've lived here my whole life, and uh, there has been progression from mm-hmm. what I've seen. Even like you said, twenty years. People are like 20, 20 years. Yeah, that was twenty years ago. Like that's over half my life ago for mm-hmm. me not aging myself of how young I may be. <laughs> but um, twenty years ago, uh, it's not a lot of time. Yeah. 
and there's already progression within that. Ten years ago, there's mm-hmm. still progression into yeah. all that. Um, for me, that actually that's where one of my challenges is for me as a professional mm-hmm. is queer professionalism is looked at completely different. When I walk into spaces, I know I have to fight twice as hard to be heard, mm-hmm. uh, to be understood, and to be taken seriously. And that is the, one of the biggest problems I have in Northeast PA. Mm-hmm. And the, how I know is because the people who are hiring me are not from Northeastern Pennsylvania. Ah. They're from State College. They're from Harrisburg. Right. They're from uh, Maryland. Mm-hmm. They're from Virginia. Like, I was like, there are people who want me who are not even from the area. And I was like, my own backyard can't even call me up and say, we need you. Right. And I'm like, why is that? Yeah. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And it, it really is because the places I'm going are more progressive than Northeast PA right mm-hmm. now because I, I see where they are. I talk to the people and I'm like, oh, you know what? Okay. And the times I have been in Northeast PA, now they're mostly universities, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is okay. Even some of the universities in Northeastern Pennsylvania, I had some minor issues with. Yeah. And when I say minor, they were minor. I'll, mm-hmm. I hope to still have a great and working healthy relationship with them because mm-hmm. issues don't make a, a barrier they just make a, to mean that the bridge needs to be more stable. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I, like that a, I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, more stable to cross, please, <laughs> um, in that sense. So um, the progression, though, is there. And so also doing a lot of work with Rainbow Alliance mm-hmm. and other um, LGBTQA-specific organizations, I have seen the progression happen in a positive aspect. More people are coming out. Mm -hmm. More people are feeling that they can be accepted. Families are starting to understand their children if they're coming out. Or inverse, Northeast Mm -hmm. PA has a huge population who are people are coming out later in life. Mm -hmm. There's a huge demographic here, and they're feeling confident to be like, hi, family, you know, um, you're all my kids. We've been married for this long, but this is who I am. And I think that's great. Um, does every every situation also comes with different pros and cons to how it's handled? But I still think it's great when people can just feel like, you know, this is this is me. Yeah. And I'm done living a lie, or I'm done living a specific way. And I think that's great. So Northeast PA, I will say on a positive note, <laughs> has allowed the progression has allowed queer people, LGBTQA plus people, mm-hmm. to exist openly yeah. a little bit more mm-hmm. and that openness shows visibility recognition and um a level of authenticity which creates the form of opportunity mm-hmm. which creates the form of empowering others and encouragement and when we do that then we create a stronger community and i think that's to me that's one of the most important things is community building yeah and yeah. engagement that's awesome. That's awesome. So it's good that there's a the work needs to be done. Yeah. But we've made some progress. Out we there. made some progress. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell the joke that like we used to live in 1980s still. <laughs> now we're like getting up to maybe the early 2000s. And I love that jump. I love that jump. We're in 2023, though. So. But it's funny because I also I often say, well, don't forget, we're 20 years behind everyone. So I love <laughs> I love that you operate in the same notion that, you know, we're making progress, but we're still 20 years behind the rest of the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that that's the actual marker that exists. Um, so I forgot where I was going next. Oh, so drag. Let's talk about Trixie. <laughs> She's a legend. She's an icon. I actually, I think the first time I met you was as Trixie. In fact, I think I've met you more as Trixie than I have as <laughs> Um But uh, so, uh, so first question is, who is Trixie Valentine? Trixie Valentine is my drag persona. My, mm-hmm. my, I don't like to say alter ego because at one point I would have agreed to that. Mm-hmm. But now she's just my ego. Got <laughs> Yeah. Now she's just straight up my ego. There's no alteration for it. Uh, Trixie Valentine is my drag persona that um, I've been doing drag for over nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in 2014 and it just has been a great opportunity. I he started here in Northeast PA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... It's been great. It's Trixie Valentine is the reason why I'm here where I am today. Mm. And I say that in every aspect in my life. She has taught me, um, and I'm speaking to her in third person because she is, again, the alter ego, the other persona that I created, not just for entertainment, but I learned the purpose of like, I have a voice. Mm-hmm. Why can I speak to larger crowds as Trixie, but not as Jacob? <laughs> okay. Why can I be so extroverted as Trixie, but not as Jacob? Right. Why can I feel so beautiful, authentic, and creative when I'm as Trixie, but not as Jacob? Mm-hmm. And so my evolution of drag 
changed and altered and uh, elevated me as a person. And that's actually, Trixie's helped me come out. Mm-hmm. Trixie's has helped me grow. Trixie has allowed me to be like, you know what? I am the CEO of everyone's company, period. Like when I show up, I am Miranda Priestley at the best way. <laughs> I am the legend that's going to be in here. And if people think I have an ego or a big uh, mindset about that, mm-hmm. no, I just love myself that much because I had to fight for it. I had to fight to love myself. Yeah, And uh, I had to fight to be here. So I'm not going to be... Um, apologetic to that at all and so mm-hmm. but my drag persona who entertains who's a, a good dancer she's okay she's getting <laughs> she's getting limber because she's getting older but um she looks good she's there you know she's been on uh tv uh on our local media sources and stuff she is changing the world but one thing i will say that trixie valentine did was give me access mm-hmm. because people started paying attention to you know a beautiful woman in a pink wig right uh. so they're like oh who what's that over there I'm a drag queen. Let me talk to you now that I have your attention. Yeah. And I've used that to my advantage to build the platform I have today. Gotcha. Uh, because even in mixed Kelly queer education, um, drag is part of now that educational piece. Like yeah. people want to do drag shows. They say, hire me now to do event planning for mm-hmm. them. So that's also another piece to my services. Nice. I do yeah. event planning. I, I have people go like, I can't do the event for you, but I can plan it for you. I mm-hmm. can get the people for you. I can set it all up. I can tell you how it's done. Mm-hmm. I can tell you even what budget you're going to need. <laughs> like I, I do the whole consultation for it. Yeah. So, and, um, it's just been incredible to see myself grow and see even Trixie Valentine, um, uh, be the level of professionalism she is because mm-hmm. a lot of times I never thought drag to me had a professional side until you do it. <laughs> and then you're like, Oh no, I really, I really have to sell this. Yeah. I have to make people believe. And so. Okay. Um, why? And you, you've answered this a little bit for your, using yourself as the example, but why is drag so important to, to queer culture? Cause and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't need to be queer to be, to do drag. Yes. Correct. And so in something that's part of the culture where you don't technically need to be embedded set in that culture, why is drag as in a form of expression, as a form of art is just, existing why is it so important it's important for several different reasons but one of the reasons is there is a form of activism that Mm -hmm. is in it and it's the activism is towards queer individuals Mm -hmm. and queer culture and queer history so if people don't know the queer history um that has existed which is the aids hiv pandemic the lavender scare the laws of cross-dressing and the current the current laws period Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that are constantly (coughs) happening right so for me um that level of activism drag in itself is the rebellion of these societal structures these political structures which is why people think it's so political Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is we are challenging what we can look like we are challenging the messages that we're coming across as in doing and drag just is a beacon to knock down those barriers and it's not even just today this has been happening for decades mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. centuries drag has been actually seen and knowing in several different arts drag there's modern drag has started because of the hall room ball scene mm-hmm. ballroom scenes and so um you know explain that a little sorry mm-hmm. the ballroom scenes is sort of um how i explain it to people who may not fully understand is uh, queer people of color, specifically um, in the cities, New York City, Chicago, all these cities who um, needed to express themselves, would do it underground mm-hmm. in those nightclubs. And um, I, I recommend anyone who wants to know what those scenes look like, watch Pose is a great series. Okay. Um, watch uh, Paris is Burning. That is an amazing document that will give you right up front <laughs> what it looks like. And uh, it was just, it's where drag originated from in the modern forms. It's mm-hmm. actually like, you know, the song Vogue, when Madonna came out, like she got that inspiration because of those scenes. And then okay. it became mainstream and now it's becoming super popular. So mm-hmm. what used to be hidden is now on TV, right. is everywhere. People are cheering it. And I love that. Like yeah. I'm never going to take that away from people because I'm like, that's, it's being celebrated. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, now it's coming at a cost. And it's right. cost our laws. Mm-hmm. Who can be here? Who can see it? Right. And so drag within itself is still fighting to mm-hmm. show people like our level of existence is real. Like, while yes, it is drag. It is a character. There is authentic- authenticity to it. There's yeah. a level of performance to it. There's drag isn't just being like putting on an outfit and getting on a stage and dancing. Yeah. Drag is telling a story. It mm-hmm. is a narrative piece that connects to people's emotions, which allows them to feel freedom. Mm-hmm. And that is 
what I say to everyone is <laughs> if you go to a show and you leave without feeling some kind of way, whether that's happy, whether that's angry only because angry in a good way, like right. angry in the understanding of like this, that was such an important piece. Like I'm now mad at whatever the other person was, not at the actual show <laughs> um, or even sadness or freedom or fierceness or sexy or cute, whatever you are feeling. Mm -hmm. Drag is the art that gives you that power to do it. Just like when you watch a movie, mm -hmm. you go to the movies. Why? Because it's entertaining, but you're leaving with a story. Yeah. And drag tells a story and a narrative, and that narrative is connected to queer culture in our mm -hmm. existence. Okay, thank you for that. Um, why do you think drag has become the lightning rod that it has? Um, I know for a while it was the bathrooms, which was never about the bathrooms. Yeah. And now it's it's we don't want drag queens in schools or in libraries. And we know it's not about the drag queens or the school or the library. But why is this the current, in your opinion, the current lightning rod that conservatives and the right and DeSantis and all these folks are really sort of saying, no, this is the line. When the line was this two weeks ago and the line was this a month ago, like, why is this the lightning right now? They want us to be distracted. Mm-hmm. That's that's my general idea. <laughs> to, to what? I have no idea. But I mean, as drag queens, we're always being distracted. We want to be escaping real life, and they're now using that against us. It's just uh, that's my opinion. Um, but it's it's honestly to me, there's a level of distraction there. But mm -hmm. also, there's uh, an act of homophobia still being put out. There's transphobia, mm -hmm. well, I, I, whatever whatever word of phobia people want to use, that's fine. But that is what's happening. Mm -hmm. There's people who still feel uncomfortable that their traditions are being challenged. Mm -hmm. Their traditional way of living and how they grew up is no, they, it's it's that sense of like, um, it's not pie just because <laughs> we have some doesn't mean you lose some, right? right like you know, right. it's we are starting to be at the normalization mm -hmm. that other people's lives are. So right, so. When um, one thing I will say in a progression is mm -hmm. no one really asked me what's my lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. They just see me living. Right. When before ah. that used to be a really big question, like, oh, you have that kind of lifestyle. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So growing up, you know, it used to be said, you don't want to be gay because you don't want that lifestyle. Now, hardly I hear n hardly anyone saying that you want that lifestyle. They're huh. just seeing people live. Huh. I never heard that one. That's interesting. Yeah. So to me, that is a big way of how we're progressing because people aren't just saying that's a lifestyle. That's mm -hmm. a choice. Some people are, but it's not as much because queer culture challenges our norms of what a nuclear family looks like, mm -hmm. uh, challenges like um, how we address people in the classrooms, out of the classrooms, in the workspaces. And so because it's there's a normalization that has happened. Right. Drag is just another one way yeah. to attack people. And I also think, in my in my opinion, again, trans and non-binary people have been under attack for so long. We're just being lumped. Drag people are being lumped into that as well because mm -hmm. in, my, in my professional opinion, <laughs> these people don't understand. They don't even know the difference between drag right. and trans and non-binary and queer. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they're just like, it's all the same. Right. I mean, we use it as an umbrella term, but there's also different parts to that umbrella. So thank you, but no thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's a level of they just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, where ideal world, you've got the PhD, you've been doing this. Where where do we as a culture and society end up if you're successful? If if there are more people doing what you do in the world and people start listening where do we end up? How does this work out for the good in the long run? Well, selfishly, I'll be on a huge Broadway uh, broadcasting <laughs> station doing my own TV show. So there's that selfishly um, and spreading love everywhere all day, every day for, for the future. Um, but ideally, if we woke up and actually had the next step of what progression looks like, because this work never stops. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, DEI work is not a destination. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. And so there's no ending to this because uh, we always, always going to continue to grow. And, right. learn, and that is OK. Yeah. It can feel exhausting, but <laughs> take a generation at a time. Take, <laughs> take a decade at a time. A generation at a time. <laughs> um. But the ideal world is that we will stop focusing on these these simple narratives of identities mm -hmm. and eventually get to the root of some of these problems. Like one of the biggest things people ask is like, what do trans people really want? Housing, food, clothing, <laughs> a job. You mean the things everyone else wants? What? <laughs> what? 
mind blowing, you know? <laughs> and so we're, you know, people, we'll actually be getting down to real situations and problems, like actually fixing um, some of the barriers that cause people to be homeless mm-hmm. or to lose housing or to have um, a shortage of food or insecurities, right? So like, um, I still work in nonprofit and other work I do. And so like, it's like that there needs to be talked about so, yeah. so much more. And I'm hoping in the future, we kind of, I, I don't say we should stop talking about identity. We should mm-hmm. always hear stories. I love stories. We learn from stories. We we fabricate them into the, that's our next urban legend. Right. And I'm an urban legend person. I, I always, <laughs> true crime is real, but like I love fantasy <laughs> crime better. And so like we love stories to hear the, the, that and it's the, just we're humans. It right. just happens. But we should, we should in the future, the understanding of talking about our experiences should be at the, how do I want to say this? Be at the point where it's exactly what it is. We're talking about it mm-hmm. in a collaborative way that is either to learn, educate, or entertain. And these other problems that we have that are um, impactful to the sustainability of living mm-hmm. is what's being addressed. Gotcha. Where people can um, have employment and not because uh, and not be stopped because of who they are. Right. People can have housing. People can have food. People can have cars. People can have health care. Mm-hmm. People can see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And when they show up, they can just be themselves. Yeah. And it just makes it a lot. I shouldn't even say a little bit easier. A lot I mean, easier yeah. to do that. Gotcha. And so that is where I'm hoping we go and okay. actually get to is where like is it the work will always be needed right but i hope the work becomes easier so workplaces mm-hmm. can be like yeah actually we increased our population of trans and non-binary people um in whatever whatever job mm-hmm. we are doing i'm only using healthcare system mm-hmm. because it's one of the ones that a lot of people are don't like going to right. <laughs> um schools and universities are seeing an up uh, upgrade on who's being has higher degrees mm-hmm. and who has higher pay right and i don't even want to just say for queer people it's also for people of different colors people of co- uh people of color black brown indigenous individuals mm-hmm. um people of different ages like i love my mom who went back to college while she was older as a non-traditional student i'm like you work mom like um and then she's also a woman so she's <laughs> Right. She faced a lot of hardships growing up just as a woman. And I was like, I would love for my mom not to have gone that. But I hope for the next uh, uh, woman in our family or any woman doesn't have as uh, many challenges. And right. it just you can take any person. You can take almost any person <laughs> let me put it that way, of a uh, oppressed group. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the focus isn't on who they are. But the focus is in their quality and what they can do and seeing their talent and their true potential. Right. Very cool. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Um, I want to wrap up with the idea of to 2023 and to the young queer individual who is trying to find their way in the world and hasn't found mix kelly website yet right well actually juicy with jake which i gotta figure that out we'll get to the um but they haven't found you there's no one at their school they can reach out to they are lost in this world right now what advice do you have what resources what do you say to that individual who 20 years later is still lost and while we've made progress is feeling the burden of this world on them what do you say to them so be so I'll actually say this from not a professional setting as Mix Kelly Core mm-hmm. Education, or you can find me at juicywithjake.com. <laughs> um, but as Jacob, mm-hmm. as my true self, when you take it all away, this is who I am. And for any queer person that relates to another queer person, um, if you're trying to find yourself and you haven't taken the time to look at yourself, that is the first step. Mm-hmm. And the validation from others is important. But if you can't give that to yourself right away, you'll never have it. Mm. And you'll always be just chasing the next thing to be validated for. Um, so there, that's that's the first thing I want to say. But the, the ultimate thing is um, life is a discovery. So don't hold yourself to the current time to discover yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is a life lesson that I learned at an early age of like my, I have my whole life to learn and love myself. 
So I'm going to make sure I take my whole life uh-huh. to learn and love about myself and every opportunity and that nothing is actually a mistake, but a, a, a potential time to learn mm-hmm. and nothing is a success, a success without the understanding of what I'm valuing. Yeah. And so at that time, celebrate your presence and your success and who you are, mm-hmm. but give your time and space to grow and be flexible. Gotcha. All right. And then to the young person who wants to do what you do. Good luck. They- <laughs> you could never. No, the hell you did. <laughs> what, but what career advice, yes. what goals, so, like where should they so. be looking for education? What should they be studying? Yes. Like how do we build an army of inferior but other Mixed Jacob Kellys. Yes. So um, just kidding. Anyone can do anything. Follow your dreams. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so for me, though, anyone that is on this career, I actually mentor a few people depending on um, what college they come from. And I actually, I semi do that for free because I'm not intentionally mentoring them. They just go, <laughs> can we do this internship? Can we work together on a project? Absolutely. But I'm going to challenge your work ethic and yeah. what you have the capacity to do. So <laughs> be prepared if anyone is looking into that. I've only ever had one intern mm-hmm. for, for Ms. <laughs> Kelly. It went well. They did super great. But like they were not prepared for me to be like, <laughs> tell me what you want. I'll design an entire plan for you. And there you go. Yeah. Like that's how it will work. But like any form of job, I guess, sort of say. But to learn the skills is be be understanding that anything can be adaptable. So mm-hmm. when I was originally starting out in communications and psychology, I never thought I would end up going into human sexuality. Right. And would I have needed that? No. Does it help for what I want? Oh, yes, very much so. <laughs> um, but definitely educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Know that you can be an expert with other experts in the room you are not the all being mm-hmm. um i know as young individuals we get ambitious to be like I'm, i learned this thing and i'm gonna go tell someone great slow down breathe make it process it and then learn to adapt and apply it yeah because for young people what i've noticed is they sometimes need to be the ones to show off their talents and skills gotcha. we all kind of fall into that too mm-hmm. uh, when we first learn something and i love that it's actually where their passion you can see their passion into it but one of the things I've learned from mentoring people is like, that is so good. I will applaud you and praise you for um, this success of your learning. But remember that uh, you are one of many to humble yourself. Mm-hmm. And so hum- being humble in this field is one of the greatest things. But the other thing I have is don't get wrapped up in the hate. Mm-hmm. Do not get wrapped up in the hate. One bad comment it's one bad comment. Like gotcha. it, take time to process it if someone needs to process it. But um, do not go into the mindset that you need to prove anything to anyone, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Um, I used to think like well, my self-worth was based on the understanding that I had to make sure I was at every event, that the biggest people in the room saw me um, and I had to bring attention to myself. I got attention from myself because people started noticing I was making waves. Gotcha. That I was in the back um, focusing on my studies, writing things, um, working on projects, uh, community projects, right? Those projects look like community development mapping, uh, reaching out to um, uh, law enforcement to be like, hey, I'd like to work with you. Can we mm-hmm. talk about these things? Reaching out to universities and then networking and building. You don't see that on social media. Yeah. You don't, that's the stuff that you don't see. That's the, that's the work that goes into this. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, there's going to come small moments when it shows. Right. And you let your success, you let your success speak for you. Yeah. And you will be noticed. Gotcha. And that is the biggest lesson anyone that's going in any field, but mm-hmm. specifically this field. Right. You have to be prepared to defend yourself in the most intellectual way. And it's kind of like reading someone shade a little bit. But um, you also, you stand there unapologetically mm-hmm. because... Um, you never and should have never and will never for anyone listening, you will never do this. Um, let anyone else control your worth. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. That was powerful. That is very powerful. Um, how do we find you? Um, so, uh, the easiest way, if you want to look me up, Mm -hmm. um, you go to mixkellycareeducation.com mm-hmm. and uh, the name is intentional because mm-hmm. I want it to sound fun, juicy with Jake. There's also other things that I'm sure I can't say of why I also <laughs> picked that name. Um, but, you know, if you ever come to one of my sessions, mm-hmm. you, I always tell the same joke to open the whole 
thing. So there's that. Uh, but no, Mix Kelly Queer Education. You can find me online. Uh, there's Mix Kelly Queer Education or at Juicy with Jake on both Instagram and Facebook. You can also find Trixie Valentine on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to see how I did on The Weakest Link, I was there this past. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, episode yeah. for The Weakest Link aired uh, this past week, which I only say that because I'm pretty good at trivia and I looked good. So <laughs> Retro when this one will air, but we'll put a link in there as well, oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I don't know when this will your, air, too. Uh, my your brother, twin. right? Your twin? Yes, my yeah, twin. Yeah. My twin. It was a twin episode. but Wait, I, Brother or not? Sorry. Yeah, so okay. we're both non-binary. Gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, technically <laughs> twin brothers. <laughs> Uh, in the sense, we're both pretty okay with that. We just say twins because twins yeah. in itself is actually gender neutral. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I just yay. realized that I said it. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, um, same sex. Yeah. yeah. Same sex twins. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but to find me, you can go to my website. You, you can email me at Jacob Kelly Core Education at Gmail. Um, that is actually my direct email that I do my best to get at at a frequent time. <laughs> Depends on the tallest, depends on the day of the year. But yeah, we're all That's there. okay. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This has been amazing. So um, that's it for this episode of Representing Equity. Jacob, thank you again. This is awesome. Uh, and I will make sure in the show notes that I figure out where you can find Jacob so that please bring Jacob in, let Jacob do, this, do their thing, and you're going to be amazed. I promise. I've seen some presentations and it's well worth it. So thank you so much. Thank you.